2: When you're very successful and efficient at your job, you get it. You're solid, competent, confident in all aspects of getting a job done. You understand and have dealt with most of the pitfalls out there. And you have workarounds or can problem solve during those times when those hangups occur. What may take others days, weeks, or months to accomplish or understand, you handle like it's second nature in a fraction of the time. Why? Because you've worked at it. More learning, better skilled, and better preparation. You go way beyond average, so you achieve a lot more. Look, y'all, elk hunting is no different. Did you struggle during your elk hunt this year? Are you struggling right now on your elk hunt or on any hunt? Then take a knee, grab a chair, or take a seat on the bench, because, y'all, it's gut check time. Those topics, along with our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our Elk bro, Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue
3: Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkbros.com, with your host Gilbert Nellis and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue
2: Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas, the man the UPS and U.S. Post Office refuse to believe exists, Uh one of the Venezuelan Mafia himself, Uh Luis Gonzalez, (laughs) and from the DFW area, the CEO of the Venezuelan Mafia and biological weapon assassin himself. (laughs) <laughs> <Manuel Grateron. Yeah. laughs> and none other from Cimarron, New Mexico. Our elk hunting coaches are in the house: Leroy Chav Chavez and Joe WWJGD Gillias in
4: the house. What's
2: so going you know, on, so you know why
4: Luis Man is uh, the guy was the first person. The first person to order the Vacru Camel was bragging, was putting it out oh, there. Yeah, I'm remember. the first one to get it. I, I want you to know he still has not. And, and listen, to all, any of you guys out there, because there were about five people. They had difficulties with their order, with everything going on, with post office. and mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. It's cra- you know, this is something that I've never dealt with as a guide. <laughs> I've, never <had> to, <laughs> I've never had to deal with something like this. Right. But uh, this whole thing with the post office, Luis Gonzalez, our elk bro, has yet to receive his VACRU camo. And right now, after it went through USPS, and did a circle. I don't know how long did that. Three weeks. Yeah. It did a circle, man. It, just, it went from Houston to uh, I don't know where, man. It went just back and forth in a circle. Yeah. And then finally made it back to the manufacturer. And then I was like, and, and then people tell me, you don't use USPS. Use UPS. You can count on them. So I purchased mm. labels from UPS to get sent to him. And, uh, I don't know, he's been on the phone now for days and days. They still well, can't get
3: it to you, bro? Oh, they, they misdelivered it. They delivered it to a different address. So then they try to In track a different the, city. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, they delivered it to Houston.
2: Katy, Texas uh, is different than that. Um, Houston. They crazy, delivered
3: man. it to Chimney Rock. So <laughs> apparently they contacted the driver. The driver said he picked it up and delivered it back in my, in my house. I'm they like lied. You
2: know, the boy yeah, lied. Like, yeah, I'm
3: like, no, that did not happen. And then an so they contacted the driver again, and the driver this time said that he couldn't get the retrieve recover the package. So they've lost it. And now they're mm-hmm. telling me to call the shipper. So that would hey, be Joe. <laughs> to actually put in a complaint uh, to so they can start an investigation. And I was like, okay, so wait a minute what are you investigating you already found out what happened i was like (laughs) yeah "Yeah, but i'm not the person who's like who do you work for ups well so (laughs) it's just like yeah it tested my patience uh, to its limit today and um i was very upset so we have to go to what they call protocol and i said no protocol was that you were supposed to deliver that package to the address no, on the no, sticker no, dude.
4: we're going through proctology that's what we're <laughs> yeah, going through ain't yeah, protocol, yeah, man. Crazy, yes. no, yeah. that would be manano yeah. and by the way yeah manano
3: may be the ceo but guess what i'm the board of directors
2: brother yeah. <laughs> <laughs> manano,
4: it's great to have you bud man it's, it's, it's a, a pleasure to, to you, be man. here
1: joe it's a pleasure to be here joe yeah, and yeah for I'll those of it. you who
3: can't see him he's wearing my grandma's uh, uh glasses right now because he can't <laughs> read the screen so Lord. he's forty he's years old. old now so yeah yeah everything's
4: starting to regress yeah, <laughs> yeah I, he just had a birthday just turned forty
1: right yeah, uh, no no yeah. 38 30, 38. 38, yeah, two years
4: ago. Yeah. Me and Chab hope we look the... as good as you, bro, when we get to be your age,
2: man. Yeah. Chab, good. always good to yeah. see you, brother. How you been feeling?
5: Uh, feeling good, feeling hey. good. Good, man. You know, no, no problem, you know.
2: <laughs> Fantastic.
5: Uh, things are going well.
2: Awesome.
4: Yeah, we'll see if we can get more than five words on him tonight, man. We were like, <laughs> well, Last time we were like, oh, he had a special weekend. he goes, yep, yeah, it was special. <laughs>
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. pretty good (laughs) nothing to see here man of many words man of many words hey big show tonight man you know this is our 92nd episode uh only eight away from our 100th show eight
4: Eight. I yeah. I can do this because I've got I've got fingers I can count down exactly on, man, and I mean. can you know I can do the math on this one. Eight. <laughs> yes. Oh, and guys, look, this show tonight. We'll see how this rocks because it might end up being a two part series. Um, so if we don't get to all of it tonight, because we really want to get to some viewer questions as well, we've kind of we've kind of struggled trying to get some of those out, and we got a ton of them we want to hit, and. Sure. Uh, and this is uh we're gonna see how this rocks out, <clears throat> whether it ends up getting deep on us or not. But yeah. uh this is real critical tonight, um, this show. So I just wanna put that out there on the front. You guys that are listening, look, this is a huge one hundredth coming up for us, and we are looking for two listeners out there that want to join us on our hundredth episode. And here's how you do it. You just write in to info at elkrose.com, and you need to tell us two things first you need to tell us about your journey this year as an elk hunter that doesn't mean that you have to tell us about your hunt necessarily um you might not have even gone on your hunt yet we're talking about your journey and your journey could have encompassed the last 30 years it could be the last five years it could be the last four years and how 2020 was part of that and tell us about that journey that's what we're wanting to hear what that's been like for you and then secondly you need to tell us why you would like to join us on our 100 episode it again it doesn't matter if you punched a tag this year or not or if your hunt is still coming up we're going to be <coughs> selecting two of you grinders and we're going to be giving gear to those others that ride in as well so not all of them we're going to select so many for the gear that we get and so everybody's going to be a winner on that but you know this whole thing like you said last time you were talking about our whole purpose right and uh this whole thing has been about y'all uh, and it's been about helping and this show would not be what it is today if it wasn't for all y'all out there listening and basically our hundredth we want to show that appreciation that's that's what it's all about so also, if any of you have a special topic that you would like us to discuss on our hundredth episode we'd love to hear it Remember send all letters and topics to info info at elkrose com
2: all right and they're already flowing in yes sir yeah man already read. you know cool stories. I, I was reading one today that you sent out joe really cool stories you know so we appreciate the guys out there sending them in we're gonna get them read and and uh then do do a pick and, and i have a couple guys on the podcast with us it's gonna be epic
4: you know, and I've had a few people that have told me on, uh, on Instagram, yeah, I'd like to be on the 100th, but, you know, like you guys out there, you really need to send that email because um, I'm the one that goes and checks the Instagram, <laughs> and it's all of us as a crew that are reading these are going to select. So I, I need it to come to me so that all the crew can see that, all
2: right? Yep, yep. No Kobe. doubt. No doubt. Fellas, you know what time it is. Shout it's shout time out. for Elk Bro shout shout out. Out. If you're shout new to our show, out. these are just shoutouts for just a few cities with the most listeners <clears throat> topping our charts this week.
4: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Before I start, hey, Lake Stevens, Washington, somebody from there, please tell me what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Reach I out. Mean, I, I mean, this is... This for the fourth week they are just rocking and we went ahead and went to another five, but I need I want Lake Stevens, I want somebody to send me an email, send it to Joe at elkbros dot com and tell me what the heck is going on in that town. Because <laughs> I mean they are still tripling if not uh quad man uh the number of listens on any other city right now, and they have gone from oblivion to into uh, our all-time listening numbers of 12th on the list of a uh, bunch of huge cities on there too so lake stevens tell me what's going on <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, i'm curious man are you got everybody in the university listening do you have somebody uh, <laughs> In a, I, I just uh, i'd really like to find out what's going on there all right um so for the top listener In 1962, this community was named the most perfectly planned community in America by Life Magazine. But since then, it has been taken over by pirates. (laughs) (laughs) At least every September, because it was in 2017 that the city hosted its first ever North Glen Pirate Fest as its own daring way to celebrate what they call Talk Like a Pirate Day. Hi, matey. So, in years <laughs> past, the event was broken up into two distinct celebrations: Friday night's pirate ball for adults, which had live bands on three stages, special rum, mead. What the heck is mead, y'all? Anybody uh,
2: Mead is like uh, I want to say, mead is like another type of alcohol, but it's like a wine. And I
4: like an ale. Yeah, in, in like, an ale.
3: <laughs>
2: it's like, yeah, an okay. Ale.
4: So, yes, I'm not sure. I'm... I thought they just right. mis- misspelled meat because I thought it was going to be meat and beer, man. But <laughs> no, it's mead. it's mead and beer drinks, and they have no. a treasure hunt contest. And then two years ago, the city added because of uh, people were saying that they were missing one thing, and what they were missing were mermaids. So two years ago, they added mermaids to the event that occupy a 3,500-gallon tank. That serves as a mermaid stage that's about two feet deep in the middle of the festival where the mermaids can swim up and interact with the guests. So arg, it yes. all happens maybe in North Island, Colorado. Colorado.
2: <laughs> <Ew. Yeah. laughs> hey Joe, meat is just about anything that you would ferment with honey, any fruit or anything like that. So Ouch. wine wine or you know, any kind of fruited Whiskey that you might want to make or you know drink like that, but they used it back in the old days. and They fermented it with honey. Well,
4: I, you know my my <clears> alcohol <throat> usage has been limited and and until I met a few uh, elk bros. So.
3: <laughs> oh, <you're laughs> going right us, huh?
4: <laughs> Mine too.
3: I only do them during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll
1: yeah. be I'll be using alcohol <laughs> <laughs> later, man yeah. <laughs> and sanitizer. <laughs> and sanitizers uh, well uh, okay uh, in today's second top listening spot is our northern brothers and sisters a short drive from Calgary in the valley of the Bow River this bedroom community has a rich western heritage and a charming historic downtown Those in the state have probably never heard of McKay's ice cream. But it's a family institution here started in a local store back in 1948. Sorry. If you visit, you have to head back to McKay and ask for the two scoop combo of black cherry on the bottom. And wait for it. Maple, bacon on top. It doesn't get more Canadian than that. (laughs) Here's for Cochrane, Alberta. Alberta, Canada.
2: Cochrane, Alberta. And I got to go there, buddy. That sounds good. I like me some bacon.
4: I want to tell y'all, this is possibly relatives of mine. Really? Yeah. No
2: kidding. So
4: my mom is a McKay Uh and is a Canadian of Canadian uh Scottish heritage so really? yeah actually came out of Canada uh and you know over into uh the Boston Mass area um right. but yeah so I'm like <clears throat> whoa man there there might be might be a connection uh, maybe I can get a discount
2: <laughs> go get me some of that maple bacon with some black cherry on the bottom boy I guarantee. <laughs> sounds uh, good Okay,
5: this top listening city was settled in 1920 and became a popular overnight stop west of St. Louis. Daniel Boone, the famous frontiersman, constructed a single-room cabin in what became known as Overland Park. The name was later shortened to avoid confusion with a similar named town in Kansas. Two of the top attractions in this town are the St. Louis Car Museum and Dan's Emerald Forest, a year-round attraction featuring a miniature world.
4: Oh, wow.
5: So, big shout-out to Overland, Missouri.
4: Missouri, boys. Missouri or
5: Missouri?
2: The show-me. The show-me <laughs> state shows up. Hey, listen, Overland Park is one of the prettiest towns in, you could say, Kansas City or Kansas or Missouri. Uh, it's right on the border. I lived there as a kid when I was eight years old, nine Where years has
4: old. Why this guy not lived? <laughs> so my, my
2: dad was transferred. Bounced my real around. Yeah, my real- <laughs> yeah, we did bounce around. My real dad was transferred up there. He's an outdoor electrical sign salesman at the time when he was in his early 30s, I think. I was like eight years old and... We lived in Overland Park, Kansas. Had a big old house and a bunch of cherry trees and orchard in the backyard. I mean, wow. it was a beautiful city back then. And uh, we lived right there next to a golf course. And uh, I remember it vividly. I mean, it snowed like a bygod up there every year. <laughs> You'd have to walk to, sn- walk to school and you. It snowed how, bro? <clears throat> huh? It snowed how? Like a by god, <laughs> Yeah, it snowed. It snowed a lot, Joe. Uh, when you were a kid and it was damn near taller than you were, that's a hell of a lot of snow, you know? So anyway, my grandpa used to say that, boy, it's raining like a by god out there. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, fellas, this next town was a summer resort before it became known as Ski Town USA and is known for its world-class skiing and famed champagne powder which is light, dry, and smooth snow. Travelers in the 1900s visited in the summer months for the natural springs and outdoor activities. Known as the boat, it has produced more Winter Olympic athletes than any other town in North America in none other than Steamboat Springs, Colorado.
4: Oh, that's awesome, man. I did not know that, that all the Winter Olympic athletes came out of Steamboat, man, like that.
3: Luis. All right, next one up. This town is a suburb of Madison, Wisconsin, located in northern Wisconsin. And get this, commissioned by President Van Buren the build, to build a capital in Madison in 1837 for the territory of Wisconsin, 45 men, including Augustus A. Byrd, traveled several days in a rainstorm. They emerged at the end of the prairie with the sun shining and one of the men carved Sun Prairie on a tree. Huh. Charles Bird returned two years later and became the first setter. Sun Prairie, so, Wisconsin. Sun Prairie. Sun Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. So, so is Charles related to Augustus, or how does that... Is there a relationship there? Because the guy that wrote oh, it... that was probably the same one.
5: Augustus Bird okay. instead mm-hmm. of Charles. Oh, so and that was settler. <laughs> oh, the, he was oh, the first settler. So he returned. Was so Chad is yeah.
4: saying that he thinks Augustus and Charles. I think the name was supposed to be the same person. Yeah, I think it's the, the same, same person. person. Yeah. And Wisconsin, yeah. man.
5: Yeah, I, yeah. I got to say something about Wisconsin because uh, <laughs> it seems like everywhere I go, there's people from Wisconsin. And if you look at the the plates and the cars around here, yeah. Obviously, you have Texas, and you have Colorado. Right. But then the next most plates I see are from Wisconsin. Really? It's pretty amazing. Wow. And even when we went to Hawaii, we met a couple from Wisconsin. So That's crazy. They really get around, and there's a lot of hunters from Wisconsin. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: man.
4: They, yeah. I mean, there's
2: those guys. a lot guys, of big deer hunters over
4: there. Yeah, they're big deer hunters, and they just love to hunt, man. They just get I out of there, and they just love to hunt. All right, so here we go, guys, man. We're going to, uh, you know, this is, this it's kind of real near and dear, and it's because this is what we are about, man. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of guys, and I've been getting some letters, and and uh, there's been some conversations, there's been some pep talks, and 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 with a lot of people, man, out there that, you know, there's some people that um, that struggled this year, and yep. there's people that uh, had some hard times, some difficulties, and there's been a lot of people that have faced that. Uh, with a real positive attitude as a learning experience, and you know that they're going to be better next year, but uh, I'm sure that, and, and I know there's some people out there that um, man, it was a hard experience for them. And uh, I, I just want to, this whole podcast is about being an efficient elk hunter that guys this is a gut check here this is us as coaches talking to you and with a message and a lot of different messages that we want you to hear in this and some of it some challenges some of it some deep reflection whether you and and i got news for you i'm talking to those of you that punched a tag this year as well as those that did not punch a tag because i can tell you as an athlete some of the hardest practices i ever had and the toughest my coach ever was on me is after we won
2: yeah, no doubt <laughs>
4: no because because we yep. thought we were all that and and <clears throat> you have a tendency to become satisfied Complacent. or or maybe you won and you did not play a great game yeah you know what i mean
2: that's why I, we say all the time, Joe, winning and losing, we can't control. We can play our best game and get beat, or we can play really a bad game and win. It's right. really about how we go about it, you
4: know? Absolutely.
2: No so, doubt. I mean, I so – I. You.
4: I wanted this to be a gut check for, there's going to be people listening to this that have already had their season go by. And there's going to be some people that are still out there. And you know what? There's a bunch of y'all that are going into deer, going to be hunting pigs, going to go yeah. out and hunt bear, going to go different places. And this is not just about elk hunting. And, no, it's, it's... Not, it's, and it's not just about hunting. I'm telling you, this is about
2: life. For sure, I'm 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 living proof of it right now. It's gut check time here in H town. I'm a I'm gonna be straight up. So you can either pack it in, and sit on the bench, or you can get up and get after it. So and I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to diving into this, Joe. Yeah,
4: absolutely. And my money's on you, bro, too. So no, I got you. No, I'm telling you on you. that. And look. Every year, Chav and I would have a meeting, a sit down with our athletes, whether it was formally or it was inside a room, or it was on the bench, and we'd talk about the upco- upcoming season uh, just to make sure our kids had their heads on straight and There's some things that that we told them and things that I learned from you uh, mentoring with me and being uh, us coaching together so many years, and the first one that we told kids, man, because kids would come in into our program, it's like, oh, we're going to be a state champion. (laughs) It's it's just we showed up, man. We're going to be a state champion. And Mm. the first thing that we would tell all of our people is there is no magic wand. I mean there there is no shortcut there is no you know hey you're going to work, this is going to happen it is work and it's hard work and we tell everybody if it was easy especially in things like track and field and cross country right, right? exactly yeah if if it was easy everyone would do it and there's yeah. a lot of people that shy away from it because it is work and here's another thing I would tell and listen to you guys listen to this and I'm going to put this challenge out to y'all we, I would look square at every one of my athletes just like I'm talking to you, and I would say 33% of you will not make it and will drop out. That means that yeah, you know, it was such a tough ordeal for you, or maybe you weren't ready for it mentally, maybe you weren't ready for it physically, maybe you weren't ready for it through your expectations, and, and so it left a bad taste in your mouth. and uh, And it might not be the thing for you, and, and you might go to the wayside because of that. Well, I'm challenging you with that to make that 33% not be you, okay? And I know a lot of y'all out there had goals for this season. And sometimes, you know, we have goals and then we jump into something that's new or we transfer over from hunting this animal to this animal or we transfer from this weapon to this weapon. And then we listen to about three or four podcasts. We watch a ton of YouTube videos and we're like... Yeah, I'm ready. And it Mm -hmm. just don't cut it, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That just don't cut it. And you might have set your goals, and you might have had multiple goals. Your goal might have been to fill a tag. And you might have had a lot of goals along the way. But understand something, and this is what I love about sports. This is what I love about hunting, is that goals do not care about how tough things have been for you. They don't care about how much money you have. They don't care about what uh, sex you are, what race you are, uh, who you know, how you know. It It has nothing to do with that. Goals could care less. They are not guaranteed. They're not purchased, nor does a goal lower itself for an easier grasp. There is nothing, guys, there is nothing that you're not able to do if you work at the skills work at being positive and live for the passion of competition if you do that all those successes all those goals will take care of themselves but when you set those goals you're going to have to really take a look at what it's going to take to accomplish them and it's not going to be a magic wand and it's not going to be a shortcut all right and and look as your coaches all of the guys that you're going to listen to tonight want to celebrate your successes, the big ones, the small ones, and, and those successes that aren't included that a lot of people would think about. I mean, some of y'all are like, for me, my success is having a season with my son or daughter. Uh, t- for me, my success is having a season with my father or my grandfather and having that experience with them. Heck, doggone, yeah. I mean, for us. It was a success for us to have Chav up there on our last night of our hunt up there. Huge success.
2: Huge. Absolutely. Huge One success. One of the best moments of my hunt, for yep. sure.
4: Absolutely.
2: Getting to but, sit down with him in the middle of the clear cut, listening to bulls bugling, <laughs> you know, watching him smiling. <laughs> and, I mean, that was it was a cool, uh, cool deal.
1: I was there. You yes. <laughs> my <Manon> and I <laughs> was sat with cool. him at,
2: Matt, Manano and I sat with him that evening, listened to you and Brendan and Luis thundering away at that herd. I mean,
1: it was a magical evening. Yeah. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah,
4: and But we want you guys to understand at the same time, if we are helping you to evaluate, or unless we are helping you to evaluate and learn from both your successes and your struggles – then we as coaches are failing you. Our goal, like we've always said, is to help you flatten that learning curve, to be the most responsible, ethical, and effective elk hunter that you can for the upcoming season, but to also prepare you to be even better in the future. And, y'all, look, yeah, our measuring stick, our measuring stick for you as your coaches is you consistently punching your tag and passing on the values, passion, and skill sets you have learned and developed to other people. Yeah, we, we might, that might be our goal, right? Uh, but listen, whether you punch your tag or not, here's the thing that we want to talk about tonight. Did you struggle during your elk hunt this year? Are you struggling right now? OK, and we're going to talk. We're going to give you some reasons uh, about these. We're going to ask you some of the stuff. And for each of these, we want you to ask yourself why. OK, well, some of the different reasons. Did you struggle because was your homework or your research and planning sufficient or was it outdated? You know, uh, we have people that tell us all the time that they went someplace and, hey, man, the elk were here in August. What happened? Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I I had the exact same thing happen and it was October, what is it right now? So it was October 19th on the mountain. And I run into some fellas that said, hey, we were here in August. There were all kinds of bulls in here.
2: (laughs) August is coming gone.
4: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Did they or do you account for the conditions? All right. Mm -hmm. Did you struggle during your hunt or are you struggling now because Let me ask you, how long did you stick to plan A when you didn't see any elk? You didn't see any elk sign. You didn't smell any elk. You didn't have any elk encounters. How long did you stick to that plan? Or was there only a plan A? Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Right? I mean, guys, we've had tough hunts,
2: right? Yeah, it started off tough this year. What were the first two days like? Yeah, well, I mean, that was really good. You know, I mean, first morning, walk out of camp, Joe Bugles, and boom, answer. Uh, yeah, it started off like gangbusters, and then, man, somebody threw a, the brakes on until the mafia showed up, and the mafia showed up. They knock it down. Then we get all the weather, and I mean, yeah, it starts getting better from there, no doubt, but, but did we struggle? Absolutely, man. You know, I had Brendan oh, yeah. with me first day, i call in a couple, call in several bulls for him, and man you just didn't didn't go right was that part of us or could we have done things better heck yes you know i know brendan's thinking about that as well me too you know so yeah i mean uh did did we ultimately punch a tag sure did but did i struggle doing it 100 percent uh there were physical struggles there were mental struggles but at the end of the day man you know uh we know as coaches that if we just keep pushing and keep fighting good things are going to happen you know and we never gave up and uh, i i believe that with all my heart if you don't ever give up you still got a chance
4: grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information, plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands, as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure, using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, Keep grinding. How many, uh, you you remember some of those hunts that we had that we wouldn't see anything for four days?
5: Oh, yeah. You know, up to four days, even five days sometimes. Yeah. But if you just persevere and keep grinding, you know, sooner or later, you're going to locate them. You know, they're there. It's just a matter of locating where they're at.
4: Right. And, And if you guys, though, if you're sitting there and being stubborn and hunting in the same place not yeah. seeing anything day after day man all you're doing is you're just freaking banging your head against a tree trying to force something to happen
2: you well, know you said it perfectly joe you got to have more than a plan a you absolutely know? you got to and if you guys aren't doing anything other than plan a it's just a recipe for for failure
4: and, and, you know, there's multiple kinds of plans, A, B, C, and D. And I, I talked mm-hmm. to one fellow that said that um, his A, B, C, and D were all so close together that it really didn't change when he went from one to the other. Well, they were still 10 miles apart. Well, where we hunt and the unit we hunt in, we don't have that luxury to go 10 miles away mm-hmm. for a plan B.
2: So Not only that, if you went 10 miles away, I'm telling you, you'd be... You'd be so daggum tired you couldn't even move.
4: Well, but what <laughs> they were doing was they would they would move from where they're at in plan A and go to another area for plan B and then I start hunting you. that, right? And uh, But uh, even though it was tough in the west this year, we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes, but did you struggle out there, guys, because when you got there and you looked around you, were you, or, or if you're on your hunt right now, are you intimidated? Are you staying to the same roads as everybody else? Are you staying on the same trails? Or are you going out and hunting fearlessly? Are you looking for those places that other people want to stay away from? Are you dropping down in those holes? Are you the person that, you know, when you look and you see that animal uh, and it's on the other side of a canyon, are you willing to go down and go back up after that animal? You know, yeah. you, you got to ask yourself what what you're willing to do about that. Are you having trouble? Did you struggle finding or locating elk? What get what you're laughing? No,
2: out. man. Look, I mean. Yeah, did were you willing to drop off and go into it? <laughs> Sometimes you got a guy pulling you down one canyon and dragging you up another one and you ain't got no damn choice. I'm gonna tell you right now, we didn't have no when you got a coach like that and you hunt with guys in your pack, you got the leader of the pack and you hunt with guys like that in your pack you better have your stuff together because i'm telling you they're gonna (laughs) drag you down one mountain and up the other side if there's elk there right i mean and you just got to be prepared for that you know I i told y'all i had a little physical ailment but man when coach said we going i'm like i'm in and as soon as we hear a little bugle boy it's bail off time i'm talking straight down the mountain (laughs) straight back up the other side straight down another big spot i mean Joe, I'm
1: dying here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hunt with the most aggressive men in the country. So, you know, these guys are talking about finding elk. Man, they don't, if there's an hour left of daylight, these guys don't give up. And I think so much of that is it's easy to give up and go back to the truck and stay on that nice little trail that don't take so much uh, effort to walk on, Joe. When we bailed off in that canyon, son, it was horrible, right? I mean horrible to walk over that stuff. But guess what? We didn't even think about it because we were chasing elk. You know, right. by the time I got down there to the bottom of where I killed that bull, I didn't even know we got down there, you know? And then my God, I'm glad I didn't have to walk out of that of a gun, you know. Uh <laughs> till after it was over, we were done butchering. But I mean, that's all part of it, guys. Hunting fearlessly, that's what Joe's talking about, man. Don't be afraid to when you hear Bugle dive off and get after it, man. You know the bull I killed last year we went up that Dagum Hill four times, Joe <laughs> right? I mean <laughs> fearless, you know that was rough too, man, going up that ridge, um,
4: but every time I, we went up there was elk up there, so I mean one hundred percent
2: buddy one hundred and look, I mean you got to be prepared to do that. So Joe's talking about not only mental not only physically, but you got to be mentally prepared cuz well, And get... I
4: I want you to hear what Gilbert's saying too is that not everybody in the group has to be like that. Sometimes somebody just has to be willing to step up and say, "Hey, we can do this." and just and start pulling people along, get some confidence. And and let me tell you, I was I was hunting, I was guiding a hunt this weekend on on public land, and I had um i had uh, a gentleman and his daughter and they're good they're they're good friends of mine and uh, great pick
2: joe great pick
4: and and you know uh the first 3 days of that hunt i was miserable because i was so worried about overhiking them you know getting into an area and not being able to get out because Mm -hmm. you know when you have an 11 year old girl out there who this is her first time elk hunt you you it's kind of like taking that nine year old kid making them run the quarter the first time that they ever get on the track you know (laughs) inflicting that pain yeah right (laughs) it kind of sucks so uh, I, I didn't want to ruin it for her, and and at the same time, that meant I didn't want to ruin it for them as a father daughter. And so it it really I, I it was like I was hunting with handcuffs on,
0: you mm-hmm. know I,
4: I I I wasn't hunting like me. And day four, um, day four we we got some animals that that were coming and they were talking. And now this is October. This was October twentieth. Or, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, it was the, the 19th, October 19th, and bulls <clears> are bugling <throat> with a group of cows coming up a hill. And, you know, I just, at, at that point, I told myself, look, if they're ever going to have a chance to kill an animal, I got to hunt the way I hunt. And I started going up the hill and started pulling a man. We were, like, going, and I was like, let me carry your rifle, let me carry your tripod, but let's go up this daggum hill, man. And we started going, Luis, I called you, we were talking on that day, right, yep. you know? Yep. And uh so I told them what it was like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, you were texting me on that day too, man. And you know yeah, what? Good reception.
4: I had so much fun taking them on it was an elk hunt. They experienced yeah. I mean, it was hard, it was grueling, we got up there, we had the elk around us, the cows were going off, the bulls were bugling, it was it was just friggin' awesome that she got to hear that and they got to experience that as father daughter, right?
2: How and old was she, Joe? She,
4: she was eleven. Yeah. That's she's awesome, she's eleven. Man. And you know, uh I I I, I asked him, uh I was like, Well, can can she hike? And he goes, Well, she kinda hikes like an eleven year old and, and this <laughs> I was like she well, probably out-hiked him. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she, she actually did. I mean, Done. she surprised the both of us, man. She was great. And uh, the Don't hardest check part...
2: Check it out. Look at that. That's yeah, what that's... when you do what Joe says right Yeah, there. that's...
4: So that <laughs> right. happened... Don't get uh... no better
2: than that, huh, boys?
4: Yeah. Two days ago. Okay. That's a nice picture. Uh, yeah. That was yesterday. A couple of... Oh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday oh, morning, yeah. Freaking and great. What was so cool was that that hunt, that, uh, that day... Um, set us up for what you just saw and we we understood where the animals were we had moved with them we knew how they were moving it gave us a whole different perception and we were ready the next morning for them moving up and up those hills and you can see the results man we ended up popping a bull uh, that morning and uh, so uh, that's the thing man is that uh, you you've got to. You just got to go, and so you got You got to get after it, and you got to be aggressive. And sometimes it's going to hurt, y'all. And if you're having trouble, if your struggle was with finding and locating elk, ask yourself. You know, during the archery season, were you hunting bugles or were you hunting opportunities? Did you adapt if the animal? And I and this is what I heard, and and we experienced it mm-hmm. at times. The elk were quiet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Shoot, it, one day it seemed, we had...
3: it seemed like an across-the-board phenomenon, man. From everything we've heard from everybody out there. You know? Well,
4: I can tell you mm-hmm. what was going on was it was so doggone hot and dry that mm-hmm. most of those animals were bugling at night, hitting the trees, and by nine o'clock they were done. And if you weren't yep. in the area where you could be on them and hear them in the morning, then you weren't going to hear elk that day. And we had the moon also doing yeah. its job. Yeah, so they're active all night long, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're not done. So that's the thing is it, when that happens, when the moon happens, could you adapt? Did you only have one style? Ask yourself this. If you're struggling or if you did struggle, did you only have one style? Were you hunting or were you hiking and hoping? Is what you know I I, I want you guys to ask yourself. Uh, did you have trouble getting close? Did you have trouble getting a setup? Did you have trouble with a shot opportunity? Did you have trouble finishing? So how were you at creating those opportunities? Um, and understand something. When when I talk to people, I don't always wish them good luck. I wish I tell them, go create your opportunities because, you know, luck is nothing but skill and opportunity meeting y'all. So mm-hmm. you you got to get out there and get get after it, and you've got to create those opportunities. Were you close at any point, but you found yourself with limited calling ability? Did you experience an elk hanging up and not know what to do with it? If you got a shot, was the result precise? Why or why not? And what do I mean by precise?
2: Well, was the result precise? Did you kill him in, in recovery?
4: Absolutely, man. Did you put that arrow where you wanted you, it? Did
3: you- yeah, where you meant it
4: yeah exactly did you get that two holes you know um uh if not if not was it user error was it poor execution was it poor preparation was it poor knowledge was it uh that your equipment wasn't up to task? Did you have the Virulakis?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the international world word for elk fever. Yeah.
3: So my youngest my youngest daughter said uh, said today, um, you know, she wants to go hunting with me for the first time and, and she she turned around and looked at Sophia and I was like, Yeah, I really want to experience what Vito Lackas are like. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, don't hell hell me up. I,
5: was we, cool, you saw, did you see the video? of Yeah, her? I did. Yeah. yeah. Did,
4: did she look like she had Vito Lacis? No,
5: she looked calm and relaxed. She, and cool hands. That's that's right. the trigger.
4: Oh, let me yeah. tell you what, man. She looked so smooth and in control. <laughs>
3: You know, yeah, that's Sophia, daughter.
2: but this was Sabrina oh, telling yeah. so, telling yeah. Sophia oh, that yeah. she wanted
3: to experience knew, Vito Lycus. Yeah, I knew exactly who
2: you were talking about. <laughs> Luis. You know, my daughter, she hunted with me from the time she was five, killed her first deer when she was five years old. And I truly believe they didn't really understand what was going on then, other than they were putting the bullet right where they needed to put it and... You know, it wasn't until she was about thirteen or fourteen that the Venarlachis didn't start coming up. Yeah. Right. It started meaning more to her and she started getting I a little more, more yeah. amped yeah. up. Yeah. Right. So at, at at younger age, they I don't know that they fully grasp exactly what is going on. I mean, uh Sophia's what, eleven? Yeah, Sophia's 10? ten now. So yeah.
3: the first year that when she was eight, you could tell mm-hmm. she was a little shaky. She was already kind of getting nervous about it and mm-hmm. and though she does a very good job of controlling them mm-hmm. you know you can tell that her she's breathing heavy and yeah. she you know her legs are a little shaky and stuff mm-hmm. like that so kind of like dad's then
2: huh yeah, yeah. Me, well not of my kids <laughs> <laughs> had to be like early then it was...
3: you saw but then you saw her at your ranch with that with that old buck how sure. nervous she got now <laughs> yeah. Peter like has yeah. got the best out of her yeah. on that shot For right sure. that's a big uh,
2: old deer man but, right. but was that a year ago?
3: Wasn't that a yeah, year? it was a yeah, year and ago. Yeah, she was nine. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. but then at ten uh, this year, she uh, somehow. On that ranch, actually, with Beto, we were actually rifle hunting the second opportunity, and she somehow figured out that singing the song Ghostbusters in her head (laughs) calms her down.
4: And man, just
3: just like her dad, it works. (laughs) It works. It works for her great. So when you see her, like in the video here at 10, you know, this year with her crossbow, man, she, I actually, I'm walking her through the shot and I'm telling her, just calm down. Just think. Go- you were ghost- way more
2: nervous than she was.
3: Yeah, of course yeah. I was. Yeah. And then I go ghostbusters and it seems like that calms her down. She started thinking that she kind of, smiled a little bit and took a shot and it was a perfect shot and so yeah. she and she turned around and she tells me in the video vitu control <laughs> <laughs> and i'm
4: like oh, you're yeah, way better than me That's... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah vitu is can definitely play a factor so manano that i mean that term actually was a term your father came up with right so yeah right, what, yeah was was he describing you when he when he Came up with that? <laughs> no, no,
1: actually, actually, it, it's a Venezuelan term uh, uh, he uses when uh, when he feel like shaking, like really uh-huh. bad, and, uh-huh. and the, like a butt fever. But uh-huh. uh, it, it's a it's a really uh, unknown expression for all other hunters. It's just my yeah, like fire expression. Yeah, it's made up. He made it up. Yeah, it's, it's like a slang. Yeah. It, it's yeah.
4: not unknown now. It's it's, it's, not, big, now. it's That's big right. Nationwide no, it's
2: famous and worldwide.
4: It's a thing now.
2: <laughs> Did it like it's international word? <laughs> because, very like this.
4: Man- Manano, I've never. I, I've I've been with you on several hunts now. I've seen you kill several animals. I've never seen you lose your cool at
1: all well yeah uh, actual in the <laughs> exterior yeah <laughs> that's right child. uh i did have bit lackies every time joe but i tried to call myself and be uh really focused on on the uh-huh. situation and uh and one of the thing i remember all the time of my farm uh it's uh just don't 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 lose your animal if you shoot an animal just follow the trail mark where the animal went, and be be calm, because if you get distracted, you're gonna lose an animal. Mm. And so, so if you uh, let man. yourself.
4: He he told you not to let yourself fall apart after you were done. Yeah, though, right. I follow yeah. through, and and I actually brought this up on our last podcast. Yeah, he did. Uh,
3: I, meant, I mentioned yeah. that, that. One uh, of the he, he does. He See does him. really good at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: You were you were talking about how brilliant Manana was on the last podcast. I'm telling him that. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. Dang it! <laughs> yeah, I mean,
5: he's, he's cool hand
3: Luke. Cool
5: He's hand not gonna. He's Luke.
0: not gonna
3: let go now. Uh, it was, for me, mean, the close is. It's go what? Ahead. Go, ahead. go
2: ahead. No, for me, the close is the calmest part of the storm. For me, that's when I really dive into that focus. You know, uh, mm-hmm. when I when I done figuring out what I want to do. And I draw that bow back. It's about the money shot, right? It is about where I need to put that pin and let that arrow go. And, uh, for me, that's the calmest part, uh, everything up to it. You're on pins and needles, you know, that time Joe Chav and I had them bulls at 12 feet from us. I was about to go out of my mind. I mean, we were – at any minute, things were going to blow up, you know. And, uh, and even this year, you know, trying to calm my nerves after we blew that one bull up and the other bull, you know, took a little while to come around. And when he come around, I knew, man and, – and then when he stood there for just a second, and let me draw my bow back. That was the calm part. But as soon as – I heard him crash, and Manano come walking down the hill. You know, Manano's having vittolakis on top of my vittolakis. You know, and uh, it was uh, it was an epic deal. But for me, the calm part is the drawing the bow back and and centering that up. And a lot of guys, that's where it's they're most nervous and. For me, if you can't calm yourself, through that. It's hard. It's hard to bow hunt. It's hard. I to mean, it's
3: worse. I I feel the view. Like just kind of through the whole process, I feel like I can control them prior to the shot and really control them while at full draw. Mm-hmm. But after the shot,
2: oh yeah, when well, you <laughs> saw me, my step
3: legs step start shaking and it, my hands shake and it just yeah, uh, it, it hits me full force.
4: Mm, and man, I, think, I
2: get emotional. I,
4: I I think for me, I I think I um. There was some things that kind of taught me i i can remember how when i used to get nervous and then after i would get an animal and then i would be close to an animal i i noticed well i wasn't nervous anymore and i was like well what's the difference and and it was because target yeah and instead of thinking about things that are going to tighten me up i enjoyed the moment i was into watching the animal you know and i i think that has helped me now that Whenever I'm having those encounters, um, I really get into them. I mean, I, I'm looking at, you know, uh, things on the animal. I'm looking at different stuff. I'm looking at how they're moving. I'm, I'm learning from it. And I, so I'm in like a diddle, different mental mode. But then right. there's a point that all of a sudden when they get in that red zone, uh, it's like something yes, else just turns on. on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't vision. know how. I don't know how to explain That's, it. Like,
2: it is a basic tunnel
4: vision. Yeah, I, 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 I feel,
1: yeah. I feel the same, Joe. I try to always uh, question myself if I'm doing it right, if I'm, if I, if the all conditions are met to have a, to have an ethical shot, and after I realize I have a, 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 a like a big window or a, mm-hmm. or a big possibility of making an ethical shot. That's when the of lack is calm, right. and and for
4: me, <laughs> inf- for me, it's almost like um, I don't know. It's it's almost a a deadening thing. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I become I become I become business. I'm I'm focused on what I need to do, and and a lot of times, once I decide to pull back, I don't even remember releasing it. It's yep. just like it all is just part of it. I I look at my spot. And I'm focused on that, and I, I put everything else out of my head. I don't know if I'm doing it intentionally or right. if it's just how my focus is. So I think all that all that
5: training you do shooting, you know, yeah. and just uh, repetition, repetition, so memory. Think once you, over. Yeah, once you see that target, uh, and once you pull back, it's just automatic.
2: Yeah, for me, yeah, it's absolutely. a spot on the animal that I want to shoot, and I ain't looking at the whole animal. I'm looking at that spot, and when I find it. And I draw back, and my pen gets yeah, you close to it. It's it's yeah. it's sent. I yeah. mean, Manano videoed me, and I didn't get the ball bow drawn back before poof, I let it go. I mean, it was in
1: no time. I mean, it yeah. was really really freaking <laughs> fast. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> one of the things was right that
2: that on him. I mean, when I was, drew it back, that pen was right where it needed to be, right in the spot. You
1: know, i just let it go you know And Beto, you know, I, got, you I, realize it. I gotta I mean, tell you this i gotta tell you this you did it with such a style like <sighs> Man, it was like that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what, what movie did you? Did, were you able
3: to record him doing it, or we, what? Yeah,
4: so
0: he, <laughs> he, did. I did, he did. He did. Oh, okay. Okay. I,
3: I okay. okay. I don't
4: think we have that recording, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, okay,
3: okay. I'm yeah, just saying. Uh, I don't know what movies he oh, was we, we have it. Yeah, okay. He, a movie yeah. in mind. You don't idea. have it,
1: Joe.
4: I don't know. know. I'm going to have to go back and look, man.
1: I I, I, have him drawing his ball. Okay.
4: Showing his Camera B stuff. But anyway. uh, (laughs) Bro, all, all I know is, man, I don't know. When you guys went, you and Brandon went off together and you had all those elk in front of you. And, and you were supposed to, I, I guess you were they trying left to, the wing man, Joe. Uh, all I got they was video the of man. the ground, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like rocks and grass. And I'm like, Oh, and he was, and then he's telling us about this giant bull. And, and, and I'm Joe, like, at least, no at least video. you were getting some video. I didn't get any. <laughs>
3: uh, but <laughs> So actually something interesting about video um, something that I learned, Um, with the very first doe I ever shot with a bow, with uh, Arizona, with you, Beto. Um, I was in this pop-up blind, and I had does all morning, all morning. They were just kind of in and about. But I had a target buck in mind that, you know, Beto had talked to me about. So I was just sitting there, and no bucks were coming in, and, you know, I I was going to shoot a doe. That doe ate there the whole morning. I, I never had bitulakis. The moment I decided that doe was a target, <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. all freaking
4: kicked Easy. in, man. Easy. I was like, "Who bitulakis?" Oh, but why? Why? Oh. Why is that, bro? And let's, i mean, let's talk Again. about. Did you and feel? I, did you feel a, a, a slip in your confidence? Did you feel like it, well, it was the first—the first animal I—the
3: first doe I ever killed with a, with a bow.
2: So what he's talking about is a fight or flight response, <laughs> right? Because that's the adrenal dump you get. That's yeah. what makes you shake like that, and that's yeah. only triggered by our adrenal gland. Oh. That's from a fight or flight response. But but there has oh. to
4: be. I mean, if he's looking at an animal all this time and now he decides he's going to shoot the animal, there's gotta been. He has it's to have doubted that's himself to get. that. Yeah, dump. of course I, don't I know did. If it's doubt um,
2: yeah. or if it's excitement or yeah. what, hey, all of the above, right? But I you're mean, I'm to I'm, take a life. I'm
3: yeah, mm-hmm. I'm fixing to take a shot. I'm fifty to take a shot with a bow. I'm first time ever shooting at a deer with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this not this to mention doe, he had
2: thirty of them standing around. Him that could yeah, bust him this him
3: doe in. was at seventeen yards from where I was mm-hmm. in a pop up blind. So I mean, it's just like it got real quick when I decided that was my target. But yeah. yeah, and I just I learned that every time that I I pick a target, when I pick the target and I see the opportunity, that's when it starts kicking in. But mm-hmm. with time, I've been able to control it better until after the shot mm-hmm. but yeah they're still there yeah they just you know i kind of try I got to, to wear my them
2: kids bit. now i make them wait i make them see all the deer when they walk in and i don't ever tell them which one's the target until it's go time because mm-hmm. they'll do the same thing they'll get a little edge they get a little edgy you know is that him is that him? just watch him man let's watch now, him for a few minutes you know, when i decide we, to tell them they, they okay then you know so we talked about
4: you know those people that struggled with with the shot you know if if it wasn't precise Mm -hmm. but i want to talk to those people out there that their shot was precise so if if you got a shot and the result was precise then then i want to tell you you guys need to get even better you need to get prepared for the unexpected you need to not become satisfied. You need to challenge yourself continually, and if you do that, then you will continue to have that precise result. But, like we said in our last podcast, understand that's why I'm telling you: prepare for the unexpected, because crap can happen. And for sure, I've had it happen. I've had it happen to help me. I mean, it could have really, really hurt. I mean, I've been shooting. Uh, I'm shooting for my spot and have a twig deflect. Mm -hmm. and deflect the arrow into the neck of the animal. Now, that could have been daggum awful. awful, Mm -hmm. And it happened to hit the juggler when it deflected it. Now, so do, do I go, oh... Yeah, that was awesome. No, I mean, uh, I need to pay attention to crap like that. And we don't always see all the twigs. But, man, it's just something that we got to train ourselves to try to see that so that we don't end up with something like that happen because that could have gone very bad the other way. And so, listen, you guys out there, whether you were successful or not, you are going to always have struggles during a hunt of some kind. Yes. Some in your control and some not. And for those in your control, we have to really take an honest look in the mirror and not make excuses. Do not make excuses. That's the easy way. And it sets you up for continued struggles and future disappointments. So if you had a hunt this year, and I mean, you can go. I mean, it's easy. You can say, oh, it was hot and dry this year, right? Well, yeah. Did the elk disappear?
2: they still <laughs> there.
4: The elk yeah. are still there.
2: They're they, where right? they're at.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You you can go, oh, there were way too many hunters. But look, y'all, 10% of those hunters out there during that archery season still killed an elk. All mm-hmm. right? So if you were in that 90% because you're going there were too many hunters, you know, and and I'm telling you, there were still, I mean, even though there were way too many hunters out there, There were, look, I saw more broken horn elk this year than I have seen in a long time. So the elk were still finding a way to find each other despite the hunters being out there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about There's way
2: more elk out there than there are hunters at any given time.
4: Oh, yeah. In the woods, sure. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, people were saying, the elk were not vocal, right?
2: I beg to differ. (laughs) Early in September, they were roaring. Sure, well,
4: but but let's let's talk about that one afternoon. Sure, we were in an area where the day before we saw three hundred head of elk. We covered ridge after ridge after ridge, not a peep one. Right, right? I right. mean we're going all afternoon doing all of the hiking, not a peep. Getting ready. To really, in our minds, starting to call it, you're going, oh man, they're already thinking about uh, what Manana and Luis are making for dinner, man. Yeah. Right?
2: And wind was driving <laughs> some of that too. Wind was driving some of that too, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Being able to keep going or not, you know?
3: Yeah. Right. And, and I think you also, like we've said before, uh, Joe. You got to keep t- topography in mind. Uh, you know sure. they may be talking, but you may be in a in a position in our area where topography is not letting you listen to it. So. Bingo!
4: Exactly. And that yeah. evening, we went 100 yards up on a ridge and 100 yards over the side of it, and the world changed. It went from no bugles to light <laughs> up. Pulls. It multiple lit up. Pulls.
2: Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation stuff, boy. <laughs> Ain't bull cramping
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when a lot of times when people say, and you know what, you know, we talked about it. Sometimes they're not as vocal because they're up in the trees. They're harder to hear. You can hear those bugles in that early morning air when it's still. That travels a long way. When that mm-hmm. sun starts coming up, the breezes come up and they move into the trees. It's and because of topography, different things. It's hard to hear that, right? People were saying mm-hmm. the weather was unpredictable. Look, y'all. If it's windy, if it's hot, if it's still. when it, When isn't
3: the weather unpredictable? Absolutely. Especially in the mountains. <laughs> we never expected getting, you know, six inches, four inches of snow
2: <laughs> but in if, two days. But every <laughs>
4: condition, collapsing. every condition has its has advantage. Its advantage. Yeah. Every condition. Oh, man,
2: that was so cool, man, being able to do what we did. It was yeah. And I've talked to guys that were up there hunting during that time. They were like, man, that just threw us for a loop, you know? And I'm like, really? Well, how did y'all tackle that? Man, we couldn't even go out. I'm like, what do you mean you couldn't go out? (laughs) Man, it was freezing. We weren't ready for that. (laughs) So you weren't ready for that, huh? So now we know that we need to be prepared for that the next time we go.
3: Absolutely. Look, if two guys from 10 degrees above the equator survived <laughs> that weather,
2: anybody can. Yeah, especially Luis, the his there's no heater working and everything, man. That That's right. To on that old boy, let me tell you. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: And it's it's funny because <laughs> the one thing I always hear from people when they get there is they said, you know, they went to the spot that they went to last year, and it wasn't like last year, you but know. Uh, it ain't um, never
2: going to be that way. No, it, yeah. it never is. We find them in some of the same areas, but we don't find them in the exact area.
3: Oh, man, last year, last year was a complete 180 from where we thought we were going to be hunting, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. so and we had to completely change the strategy, you know, send people in different directions, do scouting in different areas to actually kind of pinpoint them and figure out where they were at,
4: so even mm-hmm. in the hardest of hunts, look mm-hmm. y'all in the hardest of hunts, there is a way to succeed. People are doing it. Find it, find it. If you came up short, well. <laughs> Man, at least you went down swinging. I tell yeah. you what, when when it snowed, we might have got our camp ready. But man, those boys from Venezuela were out in the snow, you know.
2: One yeah. hundred <laughs> percent.
4: Self defense at a walk. You take
2: stick Yeah.
5: Man.
2: yeah. Hey, look, I mean, I'm I, when you wake up in the morning and your tent is an ice box, and you're blowing smoke trying to get your bed ready, and you know get get clothed up and it was get freezing, up in from, from <laughs> the, the ice getting ready to you know bend your tent down i mean we have got i got, a,
3: I got a, actually i got a cool footage camera a stuff i got a cool footage coming out of my tent <laughs> with all that snow uh and you, you remember that
4: footage joe uh, i thought, a- I thought shot that footage
3: no, dude. Yeah. No no.
2: Way. There, no. You know, no. No. <laughs> you, you know, you know we heard old, all you. that we heard all that business on the weather radio and overestimating like, hey, him. Yeah, whatever. And then man <laughs> went to sleep and woke up and it was like Dagum. We went to the North Pole. Oh, twenty no. <laughs> claws outside! I mean, dang it, go!
4: You know the funniest thing, though, man, is when our tent collapsed at two in the morning. Right, <laughs> we, we get up. Gilbert gets up the next morning. He was like, "Yeah, man, uh, I I couldn't sleep with all that stuff," and I was like, "What the heck, dude? You never even
2: got out of your sleeping
4: bag? Boy, our was Let
2: me let me tell you, Joe is beating on the side of that tent. I'm thinking it's a grizzly bear coming in. <laughs> I am reaching for that forty cal, and I'm like dang Joe, is that you? And he sticks his hand in the tent. You know, that's me. I'm like, you need to answer when I holler at you, bro. I'm like, I'm the like, the
4: lantern is like down by his head, our tent, our tent is already like collapsed. And Gilbert, Gilbert's like, oh, I couldn't sleep through that. What? You freaking like, come man, on, dude. Dude. I'm like banging on oh it was unbelievable Yeah, that, really you, you would have been rolling man. chap came up for the last night up there and he, he was did. like was he's still talking about it uh, man. yeah i froze to death
2: yeah he, he
5: did that. longest yeah. night <laughs>
3: well, that, <laughs> even uh, even after even after the that snow would, <laughs> But even after the snow was gone, I mean, we're still yeah. bundled up on the last night just sitting there doing the podcast around the fire pit.
2: Yeah. Look, so. there was three days there was still snow <laughs> underneath the pine boughs. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't get warm, too daggum warm at night, I can tell yeah. you that. You know, it yeah. was uh, – But the weather was something that we were not going to be denied with. It actually it intrigued us a little bit. and You know, Joe, I asked something Joe different. that morning when we got up, we are like – I'm like, well, what do you do now? And Joe? He's like, I don't know, <laughs> but we're gonna to yeah. send y'all in yeah. one direction. We're going in another, and you know we'll meet meet in the middle somewhere. And that's exactly what we did. I'm yeah, telling well, you. Last
3: to year, cool. last year, Joe, how many difficulties were we faced with
4: last year? Oh, oh I, so I mean, God.
3: just one right after the other, too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's 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 always way to. and and, and, and and i've talked to a
4: lot of people that have had the you know the hunt from hell this year they had all kinds of bad things happen with them but you know what i mean uh you either can just fold and again this is a lesson in life man you can either just check it in and fold up uh and give up on it or you have a gut check man you you stop you think about it you you say okay what is it about that's in my control right okay mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. if it's in my control then i can do something if it's not if it's is what it is and i have can't do that it, then i just got to deal and move on right so yeah. you know that's uh that's kind of how a lot of people out there and i and a bunch of people i went through those hunts from hell this year and they had great experiences and kept moving forward and and you know what that that's when you wear that as a badge of courage you sure. know that's, Sure. That's what makes it an, an adventure. You know, I mean, nobody watches a drama because everything went right. You know you, <laughs> you don't remember it. Looking for the train
2: wreck, Joe. <laughs> <It's>, right? <laughs> so While we watch NASCAR.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And and look, if if you guys are out there struggling, ask yourself, you know, or you struggled, you know, ask yourself what was missing? You know, was it your expectations that did you think, did you not know what the hunt was going to look like? And I think this happens for a lot of guys that come from mm-hmm. the east out to the west like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, they watch all the YouTubes and they watch the hunting shows, which are highlight reels because, sure, man. you know. It took
2: them 12 days to get all that.
4: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. perspective. I, and yeah. I want to cover t- perspective <clears throat> in two ways. First of all, is that when you watch somebody that's doing a YouTube thing, those guys, you're, you're seeing you're seeing probably two to four minutes of successful encounters sometimes that took them three days to get that to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So you start, yeah, you start multiplying, you know, that uh, three times 24 hours for those three minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, you can go and go and go. And this is what we tell people is that things can change on a, Dime, And if you're not ready for it, you're screwed, right? And I'm going to tell you another thing perspective. Manano, Luis, you guys would relate to this because you know the area down south that we went down there where we bumped into the Missouri boys down there? Yes. Yes. Right? Okay. So that area when we (laughs) went down there, there was a point that we were struggling in that area. In fact, we waited by a water hole, and we kind of struggled with that and everything. Well, I have since talked to another grinder that was – a matter of yards from us down in there and killing bull almost that. the exact same day that we were in there. Oh, so wow. with us, our perspective was, it was difficult. It was hard. Nothing was talking while another person was killing a bull in the right exact next same area, man. Oh. In the exact same area.
1: That's crazy. That's crazy. So, was it one of them
2: Missouri boys, Joe? No,
4: it wasn't. Oh, it, it, gotcha. it wasn't actually. Uh, it, it was Matt Gray, and uh, uh, he uh, had a, a great hunt. Him and his his uh, his buddy both uh, both tagged out uh, hunting out there, and and had a great hunt, man. And and they just kept working it. In fact, let me tell you what Matt had a plan A, B, C, D, and E, and I went, buddy. So you had you had good success in the, on, on your plan? He goes, uh-uh. <laughs> Wait, I didn't have anything in those areas. Every one of those areas, none of them panned out for him. But he ended <clears throat> up, instead of just tripping out and going, well, what do I do now? He started going to the other areas that he hadn't and he hadn't thought about and found elk in other areas. Man, he just... He was like these ain't working I'm out of here. And that's what you got to do sometimes man. You got remember we were hunting one time and it was like we put in 3 days in one area. Had a base camp set up. Mm-hmm. And after 3 days we came in and said no we're moving. Yeah. Right? I mean sometimes mm-hmm. you got to pull stakes man you just get if you're comfortable and I and I talked to people like that they had well we didn't want to move because we had a big base camp and you know my aunt was with us grandma was comfortable in her chair <laughs> and, you know it would have been inconvenient well all right mm-hmm. then all right so when you think when you ask yourself what was missing what was missing was the fact that you were in the wrong area you needed to get out of there and you didn't because of other people that really weren't involved in the hunt right now if you were there just to have a good time with grandma aunt and uncle then then that's what is what it is right um but you know, I I see so many people that they don't know what the hunt's going to look like, and they see these videos on YouTube of these guys up in the high alpine, and they're all alone, and they scream in these bugles that are coming in, and bulls are on top of them, blowing snot, and they're like, yeah, that's what it's going to be like, and they get out there, and they drive up to a trailhead, and there's 12 vehicles there, and then they go up (laughs) into a wallow, and there's already a blind on the wallow, or they go up, and they uh, go into this one park, and there's five guys already sitting around that park so you know it it it, important to
3: manage manage your expectations absolutely
4: man Mm -hmm. absolutely so uh you got a man you know was it your attitude that was missing i mean think about that you know and when i talk about attitude when i talk about effort man for that first day it's golden right and day two yeah yeah day two we're good after day three if you haven't seen anything what happens sometimes to that attitude and effort, man? Mm-hmm. And or day five or case. day ten, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked to I, I talked to another uh, group of hunters that really, really struggle. And, but even in their struggle, they had an encounter with animals close up but didn't get the shot. And uh, the hunt just felt like the whole hunt sucked because they didn't get that opportunity. Well, my question was, had you had that shot of that one opportunity and killed an animal would that hunt have felt difference for sure absolutely
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it didn't suck yeah
4: same <laughs> you know, same
2: thing right so figure out a way to close it
4: yeah absolutely work man on like
2: how, how you close yeah and you know, and, I, you know Gilbert, I talked you, to several guys the same way man i've talked uh-huh. to several guys that had hunts and they're like man you know i had this bull just staring me down the whole time and you know he came walking in and he was looking at me i man i just kind of got locked up and couldn't draw on him and when i did draw on him he boogered and got behind some stuff and i never could have i'm like we well, should have drawn on him when he was walking in you know yeah, and then he, right. if he does booger he's gonna turn broadside and look at you eventually i mean it's just guys not understanding the anatomy and how elk work you know uh for you i mean uh this is why we coach right. we try to give you all these tidbits that we <laughs> man i mean we've been down in the doldrums we've had stuff go wrong you know it's a reason why we we're giving back and coaching
4: yeah absolutely man and and you know um uh we're getting ready to uh end this puppy and we're probably going to do one thing to the mailbox because it, it it went going it long again but you know the thing that i'm happy about is most of these guys that i have talked to that struggled almost to the t all of them have had a positive attitude about what they learned out of it about getting back out there so even though that i talk about some of these things and and express some of this i've been really really pleased with the overall attitude of the people i've been talking to and and how they're in that journey and in that learning process because you know gilbert you say it all the time that the only things that we can control are our attitude and our effort you know And, and I just want to remind guys out there, look there's different types of effort there's your physical effort there's your effort on how much you learn there's your effort on how much you prepare and there's and when I talk about preparation i'm talking about that homework of research and a lot of things that you do before the hunt there's the the type of effort you have in developing your skills, and each and every one of us are only going to get out of something what we put into it so um I think we're going to save the inefficient and efficient predators, I mean, uh, uh, hunters. I think we're going to save that next part for next week, y'all, uh, okay. on there. And uh, I, I think we need to go into some of uh, the elk pros' yeah. mailbox. Sounds good, right? Joe. And uh, <clears throat> uh, thanks, uh, everybody, that uh, that inspired our last uh, part of our show here. And thanks for these uh, emails coming in. And uh, Jonathan Bruce, y'all, um, from Eugene, Oregon, sent us a, uh, Gilbert, this is your word, plethora of questions. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, I like plethora. That's awesome,
4: so, so what I did was uh, I split his up amongst uh, all these other people as well so that we could kind of hit each one of them and, cool. and not just go. So um, uh, Manano, Jonathan Bruce's is uh, his first one. Uh, you want to read out his first questions for us, man?
1: Give you me one it? second, I'm on getting there. Okay. Yeah, give me one
0: second.
3: Oh, yeah, you, you need your grandma glasses, Manano. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. To <Took> come <them laughs> off. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> have you considered cataloging or making an index of all the information you guys have put out there for easy reference for listeners? Uh, it also so, helped refer people to a specific episode to answer their question rather than repeating yourself. Yeah.
4: So so yeah, so and then they then he asked, oh, he said, have you considered okay. a catalog of the gear uh, you like or use? Um but guys he's saying have we made an index of all the information you guys have put out there and yeah. uh we have a name for that index and it's it's called Academy. Uh, yeah, it's called the Blue Collar Elk Academy. <clears throat> so
2: yeah base camp baby
4: yeah yeah so jonathan and not not being sarcastic dude no, about that. It, uh-uh. is that yeah is that yeah we have done that um you know we put out a lot of free content and i get a lot of people that ask questions that haven't listened to all of our our podcasts and so the first thing i'm gonna tell you guys is 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 go listen to the podcast and, and see what you can yeah. find yeah. and uh, um if i if
3: i may uh real quick is and i get what he's asking right but I, I, the way I see the podcast is just like you said. I mean, you've got specific topics and they're all titled by what we're talking about on those specific topics. Right. And, and But then within each podcast, yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of time just talking about a few <laughs> things. And then different subjects pop up and then we try to cover them as well. It's more like, again, us talking at Elk Camp. But yeah. the Academy offers something that is way more structured. And, um, and, and it really walks you through. And, again, I've, I've been through the academy there, and I really like the way the modules are set up. And you got ex- exactly what you're asking for is an index with all the different subjects that you can uh, click in on each one of them, and it'll take you directly to that subject, and it will just expand on that. So, right. um, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, kind of the goal of what Joe has been Put together. And Y'all had, go he, to
2: the Elk Bros uh, uh, Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed.
4: And, you know, his other question about a catalog of gear that we like and or use, we haven't done anything like that, Jonathan. And, <laughs> and I, I think I think, um, uh, Elk Bros recommended gear might be a thing that we could put together out there. So yeah, that might man. be a thing. And, it, and
3: it's going to be a, a, a wide range of things, right? Yes, I mean, we sure. all kind of use different, uh, five of us use different gear, you mm-hmm. know. Right.
4: And mm-hmm. and the thing is, you guys use rifles, I don't. So that's uh, that's what's going to be good, is you guys can even put some of that stuff on there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. Next up, Jeff?
5: Uh Next up, we have Joshua Bonfiglio.
4: Yeah, so I think it's like Jellia, too. So it's probably Bonfiglio. Bonfiglio
5: from, yeah. from Oregon, also. He says, hey, I recently heard about this program on the Western Huntsman podcast, as I was elk hunting, actually. I'm a third-year elk hunter. I can call, I can shoot, I can hike, I cannot find elk unless I happen to pass them on a road, which happened which happened Monday morning. I call, called, and bugled and got nothing for four days. I don't know if the rut here happens later or what. Just curious on your thoughts.
4: <laughs> uh, I, I, man, Josh, man, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a lazy name person. I shorten everything, too. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think we've heard this from a ton of people, right? Yeah, it's not. True. Yeah, I need mean
2: to know what time of year that was, Joe. I mean, really to figure out when their rut might be. But
4: uh, yeah, and and I'm I'm not sure exactly. I think if I was to go back and look now, and and remember he's hunting. I believe he's hunting in Oregon too. So, and I'm not sure if he's hunting Rockies or if he's hunting Rosies on this. So, so a little more information mm-hmm. would help on that, but I even heard that a lot of those Rosies react better to to chuckling than they do bugling. So, that's mm-hmm. something for you to keep in mind, Joshua. And you know, I, I I there are so many people that that ridge run. And and now when you say you cow called and bugled and got nothing for 4 days, if if you are just um if you're just moving and you're cow calling and you're and you're bugling and you're not um giving any of that a chance or um you're just hunting those bugles uh it, it can be very difficult at times because you might have animals that are reacting to you that are coming into you, but they're not getting a chance to show themselves because I—I don't know. You could just <clears throat> be moving and just cow calling and bugling and not—not not giving it a chance to happen. I—I I just. Josh, have...
2: you need to make sure you win too, brother. Because I'm telling you right now, a lot of hunters don't see any elk because they're not mindful of their wind and their thermals. But um, you know, you just won't see them if they smell you. I'm gonna tell you right now, you'll think the, you'll see sign. And everything, but you won't see them. You'll think the whole place is void of them if you're not. You and and what he says here, Joe, is that he passed them on. I happened to pass them on a road, which happened Monday morning. I'm like, nine times out of ten, you pass elk on the road. They're they're getting the heck out of dodge, right? (laughs) So if you get out right there and try to cow call them rascals that are rolling the hills up it's going to be a futile effort you
4: know and i think though what he's talking about too is i've seen a lot of people that are driving down the road and and they have a a a parker that's how he sees yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. there's some elk out there and that's the only time they see them and you know but take a lesson by where you're seeing them take Mm -hmm. a lesson by where those animals are when you're driving Mm -hmm. by them because that's the kind of places they want to be at that time and
2: tuning in though joshua i think you can learn a whole bunch from our elk hunting academy uh, as well. We just point you back to there, man. These, well, you know, depend. And, yeah. and also Joe, Joe's such a good caller. You know, you say you cow called and bugle and got nothing for four days. I mean, what kind of cow calls were you using? What kind of bugles were you using? Were you using herd talk? Were you sounding like a herd or? You know, a lot of times it's just not the yeah, straight calcone yeah. that you need. Or, I, 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 uh, I will but, say yes. You know, like,
4: and the other thing, too, bugling, just for, you know, just for the if record. you stayed in the same place not hearing anything for four mm. days, mm. you know, I mean, that's what we're talking about plan A, B, C, D. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. after day two, you haven't smelled something, you Time haven't seen go. nothing, you yeah. haven't heard anything, move. Get out of there, all right? And, and, if, and if you me. ever
3: really want to learn how to chuckle, you just kind of give me a holler, man. We'll <laughs> I'll kind of you know show show you how chuckle is done. Uh, to, uh, Joe can tell you all about it. You know, it's uh... how,
4: does he chuckle good? Does he chuckle good, Manano? <laughs>
1: That's true <laughs> friend
3: love
0: right there. it's a, <laughs> Just for the record. Just for the record. Yeah, huh?
1: yeah
4: but Manano's like, yeah, he chuckles good. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real good
2: chuckle, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Gilbert, what is Jonathan Bruce asking his next one? Mr. Jonathan says Do bachelor groups of elk exist? Yes. No cows nearby for miles, just a full few bulls. Is this a thing? Yes. Is that a thing? If so, do bull, elk, and bachelor groups call, bugle, vocalize, uh, or whatever? If bachelor groups do exist, is the cow call extra effective, um, you know, or is it solely uh, effective? Depends.
4: So a lot of questions. Do bachelor groups of elk exist? 100%, yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, If so, do do elk and bachelor groups call? Bugle, vocalizer, whatever. Heck yeah. yes. Yes. Bold absolutely. News. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A and lot of bow calls. Is the, is the cow call extra effective or solely effective? So you really need to, yes. you, uh, you know, Jonathan, you, yeah, um, it can be a bow really? call, it can be a cow call. Um, I, I tell you, uh, we call in a lot of elk just cow calling and moving, and with the animals that never even vocalize coming into us. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah and
2: very I, important for you to be looking for them to come in silent too man yeah yeah don't get too don't get too uh, aggressive and you know n- you want to stay in a in a in a set for you know 20-30 minutes because the minute you leave man you'll pop up and there's one looking yeah. at you you know or a group yep. a big a big bachelor yeah, and,
3: and sometimes you got to think like look if 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 there is bachelor groups you know think about the time of the year too when you're hunting and and because
4: that's early season
3: it's early season. And then again, if you're cow calling, um, you know, is that something they're interested on? It might not be. And so you may have to start, you know, with trialing different strategies until you see them react. If you can get their, uh, your eyes on them while you're kind of trying your different calls, you may see what they're responding to and then stick with that. So again, not just a cow call may be effective, you know, maybe, uh, location that, bugle. location, and Doesn't and, it make
4: you proud to hear Louise saying that yeah. stuff, man? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come a work, long you. way. Come a long Good way, dude. That's work, awesome, you. man. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make sure we end on this last one, and it's important <clears throat> that we did this one because this is a Levi Marshall from Minerva, Ohio. And Levi is a special operations combat me- medic out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Oorah! Uh, Ooh. yes, sir. Uh, and, uh, Levi, um, I want to thank you, bud, for your service. And, and Same camp Lejeune, um, uh, camp June was where my dad was stationed. So that was kind of awesome. special to me as well. And, uh, Levi asked, he says, I could not get bulls to bugle during the day, only right at last light and then hear mm-hmm. them all night long. How do I locate elk in quiet times like that? Do you continue to call even if they are being vocal during the day? And, luis kind of answered to this a little bit but the thing i was telling you is is (laughs) levi you kind of answered your own question man Mm -hmm. you said that you couldn't get them to bugle during the day but they bugle right at last light and then you hear them all night they're telling you where they're at
3: where they're at? put Put them to bed
4: yeah put them to bed um mark it on your gps be where they were at night there (laughs) an hour before daylight uh close to them you might get out there two hours and make sure that you're hearing something in the night again at like that but you're locating them man it, it's yeah it, they're they're telling you
2: you just be mindful of your wind levi be mindful yeah.
4: so you just got to change when you're going out there and getting after them you got to be on them at daylight and if they're not being vocal during the day do we continue to call y'all yes all
3: day heck heck yeah man we ain't giving up well to gilbert's point they may be coming
4: in silently absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and and we have killed so many elk that have come into asylum so um levi i mean you're there man you have it Uh, like you said you hear them at last light you're hearing them all night we'll get out there get them marked Get on them before before it gets daylight, man, out there. And then if you're on them like that, you can be with them. You can follow them to a destination. There's so many things you can do after that,
2: okay? Yeah, you know, Levi, when we we hear bulls at night where we hunt, we know exactly where we could go in. If they're positioned where they are, a lot of times we can't go in there to them because the wind's not going to let us. So we have to just let them be and then make a strategy on where we think that they're going to go to next, right? So – It's all about understanding where those elk are going to go after they're done with their evening soiree with all of the uh, gals that are down there in the big park or wherever you're at. But uh, I'm telling you right now, man, I mean, they're going to stop off at the U-Totem and get them a drink and a bite to eat and uh, chase the girls the rest of the way up to their bed. So uh, you guys set up on them in the peripherals, use your wind. Man, you got them them pegged, Levi. You just got to make a few – few other decisions and you're going to be right in the middle of them so before we
4: get out of here um uh and close out i just want uh for chav for all these guys that struggled this year for the people that went out there um on their first year uh elk hunt this year and they found it hard and they found it difficult um what would you tell them before we get out of here
5: well first of all you know don't give up on it you know i'm sure there were a lot of positives when you think back on it you know it wasn't all negative i'm sure and uh continue to learn you know that's that's the only way you're going to get better is you know persevere through the hard times uh you know there's some people that get out there and will just bump into an elk and shoot one you know and anybody can do that uh it's those that, that just persevere and continue hunting through the the bad times if you can do that then uh, you're going to be successful just don't give up on things you know, I know my first couple of years, it was like, uh, if I did get the opportunity, I wasn't going to make the shot because I, I wasn't <laughs> that good of a shot. But, uh, you know, through, what, 38 years, 40 years we've been hunting yeah, together? so uh,
4: this, is, this is 39 years this year, so yeah. next year number 40.
5: Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I, let's say 140 years, the first 20, I maybe kill five. And then I kind of triple that the last 20, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Is that 40? Yeah. <laughs> My math. Uh, so it, it comes with time, and that's why we're actually doing these podcasts, to let you cut that time down. You know, it took, took me 40 years to, to be a pretty good uh, uh, elk hunter. Uh, you know, we're going to flatten your curve so you can get out there, you know, before you're as old as I am, <laughs> before you're proficient. But uh, just hang in there, grind it out, and uh, you'll be successful.
3: You, you you don't know, need you math.
5: Destiny, you right.
3: You control your yeah. destiny. Absolutely. You don't need math when you got wisdom, Chav. Just want to say that.
2: <laughs> when you, when, man, look when you got the elk Ninja and your hip pocket son. Let me tell you, you can fight hell with a water pistol. I ain't never scared when I got uh, you know, Mister Mister Chavez with me. I guarantee you, man. Um, <laughs> but but Chav
3: said said something that I I I took to heart because. When you're saying just uh, there's always positives," uh, I think it's very important that you that you focus on those positives and you repeat them to yourself, even mm-hmm. even when you get back to camp at night, it was a rough day, and it was like, well, if you kind of repeat the stories of the things that went well, it mm-hmm. just keeps your mindset in a positive state, and so yeah. I, think, I think that's very key and I, and that one kind of resonated with me, chaff, so uh, yeah, I like that, <laughs> that advice for sure.
1: Leave me alone, Thank
2: many you. many cool days with chav and joe in the field uh you know you can't can never take that kind of wisdom for granted that's why our elk i mean these guys work tirelessly on the blue collar elk hunting academy man it's got so much good content you're going to be much better elk hunters if you go to it and, and check it out it's oh, man it's well worth triple the money that we charge on the, on the, on the uh, web page. You guys check it out. I guarantee you will not be uh, disappointed. And uh, always good to have Chav and Joe in the house with us, guys. You know, uh, listeners, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com uh and also guys you know if you'd like to uh have one of your questions answered on our show just send your question to info at elkbros.com that's i-n-f-o at elkbros.com another fantastic show joe
4: yep and we'll continue next week with the next part of it on uh Efficient elk hunters.
2: You bet you. Continue to part two. Like we <laughs> say down here in H Town, husbands kiss you, wives, wives kiss you, hug husbands. Hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk. Hunt. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> it. <laughs>